welcome to SI Planet Football Podcast, where each week we discuss the latest in the world of soccer. I am SI.com soccer editor, Avi Creditor, joined today by SI senior writer, Grant Wall, SI.com's Brian Strauss. We are here to talk Women's World Cup and Clint Dempsey today. Uh, we're going to start with the women. The U.S. women win their group, the group of death. Uh, not overly convincing in doing so, but they managed to to take that all-important first spot in the group and, and set up a pretty favorable path. Grant, you are in Canada. Your your overall thoughts on the U.S.'s group play and, and now kind of what lies ahead? Survive in advance, my man. Um, no, I, I think it's a, a fair point if you're going to say the U.S. isn't uh, exactly a world beater right now, but uh, one nothing over Nigeria, uh, first place in the most difficult group in the tournament. And in the end, what really matters is winning the group. Uh, that way you avoid having to go completely across the country to Moncton to play Brazil in the round of 16. Instead, you get a very friendly uh, draw as far as the knockout round is concerned. Uh, the U.S. ends up playing Colombia, a third-place team in the round of 16, and looking to face either Cameroon or China in the quarterfinals. So... Um, Really not that difficult a path at all for the U.S. Um, into the semifinals. Now there it's likely that France or Germany will await, but uh, uh, this is a U.S. team that uh, is going to face probably the next two opponents being um, you know, easier than any of the three opponents in the group. Yeah, and you reported on this too. FIFA, I mean, this is their doing, essentially. I mean, this is this is a ticket sales ploy, which is... Uh, they're not really hiding it either, right? I mean, this is kind of, you know, they they need to prioritize selling tickets, and so they want to ensure that that the biggest draws uh, remain in there, and it's kind of set up this way for the U.S. to to make that path. Not that the U.S. really needs the help, but but it's there. Well, it's, uh, it's a lot like the Gold Cup, right, where the CONCACAF wants to have a U.S.-Mexico final, and, and there's no draw, you know? It's just, uh, you know, we just get the groups. Um, you know, a little different here in that there was a draw, but uh, when it was actually left to chance, the U.S. got the most difficult group, but uh, all the seeded teams, as opposed to the Men's World Cup, uh, were hand-placed by FIFA into specific groups, and not maybe coincidentally, all the seeded teams won their groups, so, um, you know, having a France-Germany quarterfinal uh, looks like it's going to happen, that's not due to the bad luck of the draw, that's due to FIFA, um, which is a little crazy when you think about it because one side of the bracket here at the World Cup is, um, you know, it, it's he- more heavily weighted than the other. Um, clearly, um, the organizers would love to see a USA-Canada final uh, because the U.S. and Canada, from the moment these groups were arranged, were the only two seeded teams that, if they won their groups and everything else kind of fell into place, wouldn't have to face another seeded team until the semifinals. Yeah, which is pretty, uh, it's just not taking the competitive balance into into account really so much. I personally think Canada's not going to make the final. They've looked not great at all with a, with a ton of support. Switzerland is, is not an easy out. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Brian, the U.S., I know that, and, and you've said it before, that you do you think that they're, you know, this is their tournament, um, just based on the fact that they win a ton and and all that the they're, games, 
Yeah, and the, and that they really lose. They did tie Sweden zero zero, uh, but can this team win this whole thing with their center backs being their best players? Because that's how it's been. Julie Johnson, Becky Sauerbrunn have been fantastic. They're on a two hundred forty three minute uh, shutout streak. Hope Solo obviously in goal as well. Uh, can the U.S. do that with limited production from its attacking attacking talent, which is there? It just hasn't really been producing. Uh it doesn't always make for the most exciting soccer to watch. Hey, Grant, by the way, who won the karaoke group of death last night? You know, I debuted um, with Living on a Prayer here in Vancouver with the Fox group. Uh, Alexi Lalas putting out pictures to the world via Twitter. <laughs> um, you know, Alexi, pretty good. Uh, did a little REO Speedwagon. He, uh, he, he moonlighted it as a musician back. You, you know, you've you've seen him kick. Now hear him rock. I, I mean, thought he, he, I thought he moonlighted as a soccer player. Fish. My <laughs> God, I mean, like, uh, you know, my highlight though of the night might have been Kelly Smith, the England legend, doing a Spice Girl song. Wow. Oh, you probably could have closed your eyes and not known the difference. Exactly. Yeah. It was <laughs> That's awesome. Um, if I recall correctly, and Grant, tell me if I'm mistaken, but but I remember the U.S. back four being a, a genuine adventure at, at the 2011 right. Women's World Cup in Germany. In the final, uh, two self-inflicted mistakes that that cost the U.S. Uh, the, the title. So here we are, four years later, and 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 the tables have flipped a bit, and this team is strong and back and strong in goal, and is not going to give up any goals. And you know what? Defense wins championships. Um, they have a. They have a cupcake draw through to the semifinals. They're going to watch Germany and Sweden and France, uh, you know, slug the hell out of each other. Um, and then the U.S. gets to uh, gets to sort of take on the survivor of that in the semis. Um, so I think, you, you know, you, yes, I mean, you're, you're concerned that they're not scoring goals. Uh, but no one in this tournament has looked good for all three games. I mean, who, who's been the most consistent performer through the group stage? It's hard to find one. It's hard to find a team that's really hitting the, groups, the, the knockout round on a roll. So if I'm the U.S., I, I, I'm feeling good about things. I'm healthy. You know, I, I, I still can tinker a bit and find some chemistry that works, and I've got a defense that isn't conceding. So things are good. You know what's funny to me, actually, is that I'm used to dealing with U.S. women's soccer journalists who I think tend to be overly negative about the U.S. Uh, and, and not optimistic at all. And so it's always amusing every week to hear Brian basically say that the U.S. is going to conquer the world, and I find myself... Uh, being more negative than him because I'm usually the optimist. Um, I mean, the U.S. isn't playing great. Right. Conquer the world. Remember, I said last week. I, I, I said you know, secretaries <laughs> lost races. I, I'm just yeah. saying that that they are likely to win every game they step on the field and play. They've lost 11 games of their what is it now? Their past 222 or something like that. I, that's my only point through this entire three week rant is that they are, they are likely to win every single time they step on the field. And if they don't, it is, it is a massive upset. That's my only point. I'm not saying they're going to win the Women's World Cup. I'm simply saying that they are likely to win the Women's World Cup and that you shouldn't say that they're likely not to or bet against them. Betting against the U.S. women is silly. That's my they only point. won the thing in 16 years. Um, Fluke! <laughs> So here's what here's the team I've been thinking of lately watching the US women is the 1998 French men's team at the World Cup which when you think back actually was not an attacking powerhouse they had Zidane but he was sent off uh against Saudi Arabia missed a couple of games uh and they had a dude named Stefan Givar start up top the entire tournament and he started the World Cup final he was terrible now the US attack is better than that slightly but it's actually 
completely predicated on the defense right now, just as that French team was. And that French team had one of the best back lines ever. You're talking about like Marcel Desailly and Laurent Blanc and Frank LeBuff and uh, Lisa Raz. The best of all. Lillian Turam. So, I mean, like, that was just an epic back line. And I'm starting to get this sort of, I don't know, legendary feeling about Sauerbrunn and Julie Johnston right now because, like, they just let nothing pass them. And on the rare occasion that they do, they make these amazing recovery runs. And, you know, Hope Solo is a fantastic goalkeeper, but she hasn't really even had to make any big saves in the last couple of games. Grant, now, I know the the path to the semifinals is, is cupcakey for sure. Uh, Colombia, although they beat France, uh, they'll be without their starting goalkeeper who's suspended for the round of 16. Um, and then you look ahead, China for a would-be rematch of the 1999 final, which would just be great for, for history's sake. Um, or Cameroon. Or Cameroon. I'm going to be honest right now. Cameroon has impressed the hell out of me. The way that they attack, the way that they they go forward, they're, they're athletic. Um, they, they, the way that they play, I feel like could give the U.S. backline problems, which, which is – baffling to say they're the second worst team in the tournament based on the fifa women's world rankings which you know put as much stock into that as you want but i i don't see that as a walkover usa wins four nothing game am i crazy not at all uh in fact when you look at cameron um and how they played against switzerland winning that game uh attack wise more weapons than you might think, including gael and ganamwe who's one of my favorite players of the tournament maybe my favorite um and they are the team that has surprised everyone, basically. I mean, I didn't have them even finishing ahead of Ecuador in that group. Maybe I did in, the, in my preview, but I didn't have them advancing from the group. Um, and it's pretty clear to me that you know, Cameroon is uh, using the experience that they got from the Olympics in 2012 uh, and being on a big stage to, uh, to improve. And I think they have every chance of beating China in the round of 16. And they they push Japan also. Uh, I mean, it's if you're picking a, a ideal draw for the U.S., this is it, obviously. Um, but but that said, I, I don't think it's as as simple as as a lot are putting it. Now, obviously, you look at the other half uh, of who could play in the semifinals: Germany, Germany against Sweden. By the way, that's that's got to be the the game of the of the round um, in the round of sixteen. And then you're looking at France or South Korea, which which held the U.S. in uh, in the final sendoff game. Um, you know the path to the final is there, but it, it's I think it's going to take a little bit more than just a staunch defense. Uh, you you need to. Score I think goals. so too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, you look at uh, you know the U.S. Colombia game, for example, and you don't know which Colombia team you're going to get. Is it the team that beat France, uh, or is it the team that got beaten pretty clearly by England? Uh, in the last group game, uh, Colombia is clearly better than the team that the U.S. beat three uh, nothing at the last Olympics and three nothing at the last World Cup. Uh, so there is some familiarity, but like Lady Andrade has gone from this arch villain who sucker punched Abby Wambach and got suspended at the Olympics to this just wizard on the ball in every game who scores goals and. Um, you know, Colombia is a team that you know the U.S. shouldn't underestimate here because, as as France learned, uh, if you do that, you have a chance to lose. For sure, and I I do think though that that subplot Wambach Andrade, Abby Wambach loves 
playing motivated, right? She, I feel like she plays her best when, you know, there's a chip on the shoulder or, or someone's, you know, picking apart a comment she's made or, or what have you. Uh, I could see her just coming like a freight train, assuming she gets the start. Um, and, and, and just putting in one of those trademark performances, uh, quickly, we'll just go to the other half of the bracket. Uh, Brazil, Canada, the top two teams on that side. I, I mean, is, do you see Canada having trouble against against Switzerland like like I kind of do? Potentially, you know. I mean, uh, Switzerland's an interesting team because coming into the tournament, you're kind of like, oh, they got Laura Dickenman and, and she's a terrific player, but they're kind of a you know one woman gang. But uh, I really like Ramona Bachman. I thought she I think she's had a, a terrific tournament. Uh, Fabian Holmes actually scored a lot of goals. I mean, they they played Ecuador, so everyone scored a lot of goals against <laughs> Ecuador, but. Um, you know, then they they kind of struggled uh, in that loss to Cameroon. So a little hard to know what you're getting with Switzerland. Same goes for Canada. I mean, somehow they won the group with five points, but it was the least impressive group win I've ever seen at a World Cup. Um, you know, if they hadn't gotten that late uh, semi-dubious penalty in the first game against China, Canada might not have even advanced. So uh, there's a lot to prove there. And um, so right now, I mean, Canada's got a pretty favorable draw, which is something that they could use, but that's not a team I think that can win the tournament. No, I, not based on the evidence that they've shown at all. Um, that, what do you guys think the final sort of verdict is on, on the 24 teams on the expansion? I mean, now that we're done with the group stage, I mean, it's worthwhile. Was it, you know, did it dilute the product? Were there too many lopsided games? Should they just go to 32? What do, what do you think? Well, in the big picture, I like expansion in the Women's World Cup because unlike the Men's World Cup, you really do want to grow the game globally. And and FIFA needs to be the organization that does it just because we've seen so many failed leagues in women's soccer around the world. I've always been of the belief that the Women's World Cup should take place every two or three years, not every four. Um, But that's unlikely to happen. Um, So... I like moving to 24. I think it's something that I used to feel like there were too many blowouts. And there were some blowouts in this, in this World Cup, but that's something that you have to go through if you want new teams to get better. And, yeah, and there, were, the there were blowouts with, with 16 teams in the 90s, and, and then, then that kind of stopped. Yeah, the, the thing I always point out is that Japan lost 8 to nothing in a game in the 1991 Women's World Cup, and then 20 years later they won the Women's World Cup. Um, so I think you need to go through that. Um, yeah, there's some blowouts. I actually would like to move to 32 in part because I don't think it'd be that much different from 24. And I also think it would be better than 24 in the sense that only two teams in the group would advance, not three, because that's that's a little ridiculous when you have teams that finish third place, so many of them advancing. You're, you're going through all these games to just go from 24 teams to 16. Might as well go to 32. Um, you know, and, and uh, actually have a little more reward going to the teams that are actually good in the groups. Yeah, I would agree with that too. Um, I think, I mean, like, you know, expansion, it's not going to be perfect. I, I don't know that there, there are a ton of games from this group stage that, I, that I'm that i going to look back on and, and be like, wow, that was that was a really memorable, memorable event. I mean, you look back at the, the Men's World Cup last summer and, and the group stage was, there were almost more 
memorable games than non-memorable games. The group right? stage I mean, was better than the knockout stage in Brazil. Yeah, it was it was incredible. So I mean, you, you know, obviously, like Grant's saying, you know, it takes steps to get there. You're not just going to have a, an expanded tournament and have magic happen. Uh, you know, it takes time. Well, I, I would be curious then over the next few weeks in in I mean, who got knocked out? You know, in Spain and Ecuador and Nigeria and in places like that, do they say to themselves? Oh, you know, that was fun that that, you know, that, that this is I, I can see us maybe getting better at this. We should we should put some time and money and, and, and effort in, into into growing women's soccer here. This was pretty cool. Or do they say, oh, what was the point of that? What a waste of time. You know, this is this is you know what I mean? Like, I'd be well, I know for a fact that Nigeria, Nigeria's federation is, is like we want to hire a top coach because this guy, Edwin Ocon, that we had coaching us here was a complete joke who seemed to take pride in saying that he never watched any video of his opponents and never scouted any of his opponents. So is he the one who wouldn't wouldn't shake Jill Ellis's hand afterward? Yeah. The, the Edwin Ocon experience was, was <laughs> a ridiculous one and I'm not <laughs> sad to see him gone from this tournament. Um, but yeah, I mean I, I I compare a 2014 tournament to the MLS playoff structure because it's kind of like, oh, everyone's in in play to to advance and you know, isn't that nice? But you know, you end up having all these mediocre teams that are in contention to advance, and uh, in the end, that's not a good thing. Yeah, I I agree. And also, too, I mean, you look at you know some of the third place teams that didn't go through Sweden, obviously, or that did go through Sweden, uh, being one of them. You know, in in a, in a further expanded tournament, they're a third place team and they don't go through, and that's a big story. There's no real, not a, a ton of heat on these teams to really bring it in the group stage i guess is is what my point is um the only counter to that would that be in in a 32 team tournament the u.s australia and sweden wouldn't all be in the same group. true very true or not it would be harder for them to be put in in the same group at the very least um yeah so look i i think it's a good step forward for the game i think uh you know regardless of of the structure of the knockout rounds i think we'll we'll get some good games eventually and I, i don't think it's as cakewalky of a cakewalk for the U.S. Uh, to the semifinals, but ultimately, I, I do think they'll get there. Um, That's a good adjective, cakewalky. Cakewalky, yeah. I'm gonna. Who doesn't just... like cake? <laughs> Nobody. Uh, <laughs> okay, so let's uh, let's turn the page uh, a little bit on this. Obviously, the women, by the way, they they played their first game Monday night um, against Colombia in the round of 16. Uh, Want to turn the page to to Clint Dempsey. Uh, Lost his mind at the end of a of a bizarre U.S. Open Cup game, perhaps the most bizarre U.S. Open Cup game in a tournament that has been littered with them over time. The Seattle Sounders finish with seven men. They lose to the Portland Timbers uh, in a Cascadia rivalry match early on in the tournament. We could get into the structure of it all, whatever. That's a whole other story. But Clint Dempsey basically rips a referee's notebook, uh, gets sent off, and and the Sounders defending champions go out. Um, Brian, just what's going through Dempsey's mind? He's a player of so much experience. Obviously, you know, his temper, uh, you know, well-documented. You, you tend not to tread on him for reasons like that. But uh, just wh- what what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I love how you said turn the page because, you know, he, he tore the <laughs> – um, No, I mean, it's pretty clearly as defined by U.S. soccer. It's pretty clearly referee assault. I mean, he, he – he there there's a whole section in there about the referee's property and i would you know you would think his his little notebook is is uh is part of the property i mean it was you know you know in in aviation when there's a crash you know they talk about the accident chain 
and, and how there usually isn't one like typically major cause. A lot of thing, a lot of times, many, many little things had to go wrong to sort of set up the disaster. And, and I feel like that's what happened uh, the other night. You had a referee with no MLS experience. I mean, whose idea was that? To, to put a guy who'd been refing, I don't know what he refed, but a guy who'd been refing USL games or college games into that tiny bandbox at Starfire against the two biggest rivals in American soccer in a knockout game, like that was not a good idea. That's the start of the accident chain, right? And then you have the environment, you have a couple of early red cards, you have a close game, you have a terrible call uh, that led to the, to the red card that Dempsey was protesting, you have a player who's already, you know, who, who can lose his cool, who can be kind of a hothead. So you have all of these things kind of congeal to the point of detonation. And, and what a detonation. I mean, what a moment. I mean, it's something that, you know, in a way, uh, is great for the tournament. I mean, it's 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 it shows mm-hmm. that there was passion and, and investment. It's it's bringing a spotlight to to the U.S. Open Cup and to all that it means, and 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 the way it brings the whole kind of American soccer community together. Um, it was kind of funny, and and so I'm not gonna, you know, Dempsey shouldn't have done it. He, he he's going to get punished for it as he should. Um, perhaps up to six games. And um, but in but in the end, it's something that was kind of entertaining and, and uh, you know, is, it may, may be good for the tournament in the long run. Um, also, R.I.P. to the to the to the Sounders incredible U.S. Open Cup run. I mean, since they joined MLS in 2009, I think this is only the second time that they've been outscored in, in an Open Cup game. That's remarkable. They lost the the 2012, no, 2013 final, I believe, on penalties to uh no 2012 final on penalties to sporting kansas city and then they lost like one random game like one nothing to tampa bay or something like that so their run in 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 single elimination knockout games has been amazing uh until it all went nuclear uh at starfire yeah uh nuclear that's a really good analogy actually the plane crash there well well played um uh obviously not what you want to see from the u.s captain uh and a player of of Dempsey's stature, just losing his cool like that, uh, especially with with the Gold Cup on the horizon. Uh, U.S. This is a U.S. soccer sanctioned tournament, so technically they they could take action that could prevent him from playing for for the national team if they so wanted to. Now that's probably not going to happen. I can fill you in a little bit on the possibilities, having spoken to a U.S. soccer spokesman yesterday. Um, there's two bodies that are going to take a look at this. Uh, potentially three. Uh, the U.S. Open Cup adjudication and disciplinary panel is going to look at it and make a ruling on how long they're going to ban Clint Dempsey from, and maybe the Sounders or other Sounders members from future U.S. Open Cups. So uh, it's certainly possible that Dempsey could be banned for as much as a year or more uh, from future U.S. Open Cups, which is what it is. Um, and then, according to U.S. Soccer, actually, MLS is group that's going to be responsible for uh, additional potential discipline on this referee abuse or referee assault situation. And if you look at the the bylaws of U.S. soccer for professional players, it's up to the league to make that decision. And so there's some pressure now that's going to be on MLS. Are they just going to say, well, he's going to get uh, suspended by for U.S. Open Cup, therefore we're not going to engage uh, ourselves or if there's public pressure to do so, are they potentially going to uh, suspend Dempsey? If it's referee abuse, minimum three games. 
if it's referee assault, minimum six games. And the way it works is if Dempsey's suspended for six or more games, um, he cannot play in any soccer during that stretch of six or more games for his club, and that includes the Gold Cup. So if it ends up being referee assault, Clint Dempsey will not play in the Gold Cup. Uh, That's the U.S. captain. Um, And so now there's a lot on MLS of all groups, um, even though this was a U.S. Open Cup game, uh, and then we'll see also too, uh, you know, how Jurgen Klinsmann responds. You know, Clint Dempsey is on the preliminary roster for Gold Cup, but uh, this is U.S. Soccer, which uh, you know didn't call in Josie Altador for the Mexico game uh, after his red card. Uh, you know, maybe Jurgen Klinsmann doesn't bring in Clint Dempsey. So you're saying this is Don Garber's chance to pull Jurgen Klinsmann's captain away? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> uh, it's it's crazy yeah i'm looking at the sounders schedule it would be uh it's june june 8 1 2 there's they have four games uh between now and uh and the start of the gold cup so theoretically you know he could he could i mean he could miss the group stage and perhaps be called in for the knockout round when uh you know his six games would end uh july 18th so that's the day of the quarterfinals in baltimore so Anyway, if Jurgen wanted to, if that's what happened, we're going through a million different hypotheticals now. But theoretically, Jurgen could bring him in after the during the group stage roster swap at the Gold Cup, and he would be available for the semi and the final. But um, look, I mean, if Fabian Espindola got six games for shoving a linesman last year in the playoffs, um, then I don't know how MLS or U.S. Soccer or whatever bodies adjudicate this can look at what Dempsey did and 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 not see that as as six games. I mean, it's it, it the the bylaws don't really draw it. Well, they drew, but they mentioned that that property, referee's property, is is as much a part of the referee's person and 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 rights as as his body. And so, that's what we could be facing, I guess. That's crazy to me. Uh, and I mean, at the end of the day, he kind of endears himself to the to the Seattle fan base, though, right? I mean, it it shows how much he cared i guess in that moment uh it happened against portland that obviously adds something to it as well um you just can't do that though like just was it, quatamoc blanco was banned i think quatamoc blanco is still banned from the open cup <laughs> he had that meltdown against dc united like in 2008 or something like that and like headbutted a, a like a united official was trying to escort him off the field after he was red carded and he tried to headbutt that guy and um and he Keep was in mind. Sorry? Keep in mind, by the way, Portland plays Seattle in a nationally televised MLS game just a week from Sunday. So with all the stuff that was going on in this game, uh, they're going to play each other again soon. Um, and, and we'll see how that you know, is, is in, you know, impacted by all of this. Um, you know, it's, it's an amazing rivalry. I guess I, I'm not as much in the camp of, you know, Yay! This is great because the Sounders will, you know, Sounders fans will love Dempsey. I, I think this is a black eye. I think this is. I don't want to do too much finger wagging here, but I, I, I think this is, this is not a good look at all for Clint Dempsey. I didn't laugh at this. It's not. There's a difference though. Between, I mean, to, it's not a good look. Certainly, he, and and like and Avi pointed out, he is the national team captain. He should be, and he is a, a veteran. He should be able to hold his cool a little bit better. But he he didn't hurt anyone. To me, he didn't physically assault anyone. He didn't, you know. There's, you know, no harm, no foul to some respect. But the rules are rules. You got to keep your 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 stuff together. And and uh, he should he should be suspended. I, I do think it's odd, 
and maybe I'm in the minority on this, but I do think it's, I, I feel like club and country, like it's strange that something, you, they're so different. They sort of run on parallel tracks and parallel universes. And it just seems a bit weird to me that something he did in the, in the club world could impact the country world. But I guess that's the way it, uh, it may go down. Well, Luis Suarez ended up missing a good chunk of the start of uh, Barcelona's season that's right. based on something he did with his national team yeah. at the World Cup. Seems strange. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on the plus side, Dempsey did not bite the referee. So <laughs> at least at least we steered clear of that. Uh, real he quick. Should call, he should call uh, Vidal's lawyer. <laughs> oh, geez. What, what a mess. How, how are you the basically the – the face of Chilean national team. This tournament is in your your. You can't wait three weeks to go to a casino. Come on, man. Jeez, oh, just some bonehead decisions uh, around the soccer world. Well, oh, and you remember, you remember the first twenty minutes of the of the Champions League final? Yeah, Vidal was like looking to to rip people's throats out. He was insane. Yeah. It's like it's like he was it's like he was on, you know, he was on PCP. You know. <laughs> so anyway. Clearly some impulse control issues with that guy. Uh, for legal reasons, we are, we're going to point out that Brian is not actually accusing Vidal <laughs> of taking PCP. Uh, just he, he might be, actually. <laughs> <laughs> just, just to keep that clear. Uh, real quick, be- before we wrap up, uh, Cosmos outs New York City FC, uh, and they're going to play the Red Bulls in the next round of the Open Cup. Um, I think that is, is something <laughs> to look at now going forward um, in this tournament now that that the whole Seattle-Portland mess is, is over. Uh, second straight year that the Cosmos have beat an, an MLS team. You always feel like there's that kind of underlying they want to stick it to MLS as much as, as uh, if, if you're a conspiracy theorist, MLS wants to stick it to the Cosmos. Um, that's a story to watch going forward. Um, you know, the Cosmos are a team that's talented. You know, they're, they're not your, your typical second-tier minor, minor league team. Um, the Red Bulls started their their top eleven in in their round of sixteen match, so I I think we're we're going to get some, uh, you know, some full strength teams going at each other, and I think that's going to make for for some good theater. Uh, there, there, was a, there was a pretty cr- crazy quote I saw circulating this morning. I don't remember where, so forgive me. Where where Mike Pecky was saying that you know he had to convince guys to play last year against the Cosmos in the open cup. And I remember that that game happened while we were down in Brazil. So we missed it, but that, you know, Henri and Olave weren't going to play because of the, the turf, um, you know, and, and then the four or five other guys just didn't think it was important. And the Red Bulls sort of had this tradition of not really worrying too much about the open cup. And, and, and of course you go into a game with that attitude against the Cosmos team that is, you know, absent the big name, the big money DPs, you know, they have some guys who make some real money on that team. That's a team that could compete in MLS and 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 absent you know the, the two or three top earners. Um, and uh, and and the Cosmos got beat. And so I think part of the culture change. And I don't blame necessarily Mike Pecky for that, but I mean that started with Baca and before him. But part of the culture change at Red Bull, it seems, with with Ollie Curtis and and Jesse Marsh, is that they're going to take these games seriously. And that, and that was evident with the lineup they put out on the field against Atlanta. And I would expect to see the same thing when they uh, when they host the Cosmos at Red Bull. Well, also too, it wasn't just that uh, the Cosmos you know beat an MLS team last year. It was they beat the Red Bulls, and now they've beaten both New York City area uh, MLS teams uh, in the last two years. And um, you know that's uh, something if you're the Cosmos and you're trying to make a case that you're just as good as MLS. Um, 
and and the teams that they're competing against in New York, that's not a bad thing. So I love the fact that they've drawn the Red Bulls for the next round. Love the fact that we're probably going to get two full strength teams playing against each other. Um, and and think that's for me the best part of the Open Cup this year. I mean, there haven't been that many upsets, but um, to and have shout out to Charlotte Independence, the expansion USL team that beat the Reds. <laughs> That's about all we got going for us yep. here. There's that early goal that uh, the Galaxy conceded to, what was it, the team PSA or whatever? PSA Elite. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's public not. service announcement? I, I the, guy, the guy on public service announcement Elite will be telling his grandkids that he scored a goal against the Galaxy. For me, that's, that's worth playing the game. The Galaxy with Robbie Keane on the field, no less. It's awesome. Well, right. And well, Zardes. Cool. I mean, we're starting to see... I like the fact that some that MLS teams can decide what their priorities are, what they take seriously. You know, they, you know, they have to answer obviously to their fans and their sponsors and their market and, and and that sort of thing. But if if a team wants to, you know, Ben Olsen, Ben Olsen put a B team on the field against Pittsburgh and 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 they wound up winning an extra time, but that could have gone differently. Um, so so teams make their decisions about what works for them, and they reap the consequences. And and so we saw that happen with the Red Bulls last year, and we and maybe we'll see something different this year, but. You know, as Grant said, if we see two, if we see Red Bulls, Cosmos, everyone on the field at Red Bull on a beautiful pitch, uh, that'll be a game to remember. And I, th- I think it's great for I think it's great for the game in this country. I would agree with that for sure. Uh, Cosmos, one of two non MLS teams in the final sixteen, something to watch going forward. Uh, so between the Women's World Cup, Clint Dempsey losing his mind, and Arturo Vidal PCP talk, I think. I think we should kind of wrap it up and call it a day. Um, I want to thank you all for listening. As always, for Grant Wall in Canada, Brian Strauss in D.C., I am Avi Creditor. We'll talk to you next week. the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.